Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to Network Show. Today we'll be talking all things about the National Basketball Association, get you updated with the week that was, and get you looking forward a little bit to all the things that come. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always from the other side of the country, how are things in California spread? Did we, did we get rain? Are we praying for rain? That's usually what you're, what you're worried about. Yeah, and we've got rain, and it's wonderful, and all we need is a little warmer weather so my grass will grow back because I let it die. But other than that, everything is great out here. Um, we got exciting basketball in Northern California again. Unfortunately, it's not my favorite team, but hey, you know, they're within 90 miles of us, so that's not a bad deal. And uh, no, having a great time. You know, tennis season started. NBA is finally in full swing. This is, uh, this is a great January. Well, let's jump in. And one of the things I always like to do on these weekly shows is to read through the standings because it's always funny at different points of the season who's ahead, especially this week, because my team, the Philadelphia 76ers, the only one lost team in the NBA would be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, the two seed right now would be the Magic, then the Pacers, Celtics, Knicks, Bucks, Cavs and Nets. You know, so again, at the playoffs for tomorrow, the Raptors are out, way out, by the way. Um, the Heat are out, and the Hawks are out. So a couple names that we expected to be in, kind of having a slow start there. Um, you know, we're a couple weeks in, still have you know less than ten games for everybody. Um, you know, what do you think? Uh, who's who's maybe that group overperforming the most? Do you think we'll see the Knicks drop, the, the Cavs drop, um, anybody else maybe? Um, Both who do you think you might come mentioned? back? I think that I think they'll both drop. I think the Knicks have a better chance of staying within contention there, um, just because of Thibodeau. Like, I mean, they're not deep at all, right? Like we mentioned their depth in the offseason pod. Why do we even talk about depth with the Thibodeau style team, right? I mean, he's running Randall and, and uh, Barrett like forty three and forty two minutes a night or something ridiculous. Uh, R.J. Barrett actually ran the most miles of any NBA player so far this season. Uh, Randall's <laughs> third, cool. you know, by those cool little advanced stats they do. But, um, yeah, and the Cavaliers, I mean, hey, they might have a shot, but um, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to stay healthy. I mean, those are some injury-prone guys to begin with, and then, you know, to just get a barrage of injuries to start the season. Uh, now the other guys are taking more minutes. That make, make, might make them a little vulnerable, so I don't necessarily believe in them. Um, I think Atlanta will be back, um, but – Boy, they've kind of fallen off a cliff after they everyone's darling the first week, huh? Yeah, I think that um, you know teams are starting to get a little more comfortable figuring out how to slow them down a little bit. I'm surprised that some of the totals in their games have actually been as low as they were. Um, I haven't been as um, aggressive and fervent in my attacking of their opponents' team total overs and overs in their games as maybe I thought this season. Mm -hmm. um, circle back to the Knicks, though. I mean, you start to look. They have a couple of nice wins. I mean, they beat Milwaukee by 20 points. Uh, right. We thought that was kind of fluky at the time. You know, maybe it is. It was, I, if I remember correctly, it wasn't the best schedule spot for the Bucks, but beat Milwaukee by 20, beat the Pacers by four. Um, they're actually on a three-game win streak here, Pacers, Hawks, and Jazz. I mean, two, two, three really nice wins there. Um, like you said, I mean, Thibodeau just pushing everybody. He's got uh, Randall actually playing 38 minutes, Barrett playing 38 minutes, and then, you know, the rest of the, the group is right around 30. So, like you said, he's not shy to play his best guys a lot, and that helps a lot of time in the regular season win column. Yeah, and, and the minutes, we talk about the minutes a lot because that's really going to jump off the page, especially uh, with Derrick Rose and how Chicago fans feel about Thibodeau. But um, I think what's being underrated here, besides the fact that he's playing his starters a lot, is the offense looks crisper. The guys seem to know their roles better. So even in the short time, he seems to have implemented uh, a system where these guys are running simple plays and they know what they need to do. And then, of course, the defense is picked up like we kind of expected, right? That's his calling card. Um, and he's basically come through on that promise. So, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we got to like to see what we do next. I think that they're definitely a fringe, you know, playoff. And now with the 10 spots, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the top 10 at all. Yeah, that makes a bunch of sense. So the team that's at the bottom here that we wanted to touch on, the Toronto Raptors are one and six. Um, opponents are scoring 112 points per game against them, much higher number than last year. Um, you know, from a defensive standpoint, I want to see real quick where their defensive rating is, you know, usually one of the best defensive teams in the league. Um, right middle of the pack, right at 16th. I mean, what have you seen from the Raptors? What do you think is happening there? I mean, is this kind of maybe a delay of what I expected last year or is, you know, really the, the, you know, losing two big guys and only really bringing in one is, is that kind of tearing things apart? I mean, does Siakam continue to play poorly? You know, what, what would you start to put together, if, you know, if you had to explain to somebody what the hell's going on in Toronto? Yeah, if I were to do it simply, I would say that the loss of Ibaka and Gasol, um, Siakam not playing well, and then the lack of depth. You know, we've always counted on the Raptors as having a good bench and good player development, uh, but they haven't been getting contributions from their bench players at all, um, putting a lot of stress on their starters, uh, you know, when they come back in, not getting those minutes. Siakam, um, boy, ever since the bubble, you know, we were touting him as, as a potential top 10 guy around March last year before the shutdown. Um, he's way out of that conversation now. He's really struggling even probably to be a top 30 uh, player with the level of performance he's given. Now, last night he looked pretty good against Phoenix, you know, so maybe it's starting to get back a guy that talented. You know, it's not crazy for him to have a rough stretch and just go back to where he was, um, but just not seeing it at all. And I think Abaka is just such a glue guy, um, even on the Clippers. Even though he doesn't fill up the stat sheet, you watch like when he's making those threes, you know, when he's making a big defensive play. It just always seems to be at the right time. So I think they're really missing him. And then Baines, right? He's, you, got, you take out one little run with Boston and one little run with Phoenix, and he's kind of been a below average replacement player, and he's kind of returned to that. I th how old is he now? I mean, he might be. 34. I mean, it might be the age where he's starting to fall off. This is definitely something that. Um, I don't think that they, you know, everyone thought Baines for Gasol was going to be a wash. And even as Gasol's play is degraded uh, over the last two years, he's still a much better player um, than Baines. And so they're basically, to me, they're seeing the, the, the ramifications of their lack of depth now. And I wanted to dig into some of these numbers here. I mean, you see some of the shooting numbers are down here that they're a little depressed. Um, like you said, you know, losing a Baca, I think it's, it's almost just even that, you know, again, you lose two guys and, and bring in only one. So you start to look at, you know, the, the other backup centers. I mean, they're playing Alex Len 12 minutes a game. That's that's not ideal. That's not no. something you really want to be doing in, in 2021. <laughs> um, what I will say, though, is they've had a pretty tough schedule. You know, we were talking just before we got on here about doing some schedule look backs here. Um, New Orleans, San Antonio, Philadelphia, New York. New Orleans again, Boston and Phoenix. Now, you know, Philadelphia would be probably the best team in there, but there's not really any easy games in there. You might think that the Spurs would be an easy game, but they've been a really solid team this year. And it was also a road game for the Raptors there. I mean, every game's a road game and you got to wonder yeah. if maybe that's starting to wear on a little bit more than, you know, maybe I considered. So, um, you know, my hope, what I'm hoping the silver lining or the, uh, the little light here for someone is that's got a, a decent amount wagered and over on their win total this year. Um, and it looks like they're starting to run into what will hopefully be a little easier stretch. You know, they've got, They've uh, just started a road road trip here, four games. They've got Sacramento um, on Friday. Now, Sacramento playing solidly, but we know De'Aaron Fox is not going to be in that game. Golden State and then Portland, those two will kind of be tough. But then they come home, and it's Charlotte, Charlotte, Dallas, who's been under, underwhelming, Miami, Miami, they've been underwhelming, two games against Indiana. So I, I think hopefully they get um, – 
can hopefully write at some point in that spot with maybe those Charlotte games in Dallas before they have to go into that back, you know, back to back with Miami, Indiana, then Milwaukee and Sacramento again. But um, you know, the schedule does start to get softer for them around February. So I, I hope they, they can get closer to 500. They maybe have a nice solid February and, and things are looking back. But um, not the not the Toronto Raptors we're used to seeing. That's for sure. Yeah, no, it's an interesting situation because if things continue this way, I mean, first of all, you're right. I mean, Charlotte and Cleveland, those are the teams you want on your schedule to go ahead and get right. So it's nice that they get to see them uh, coming up. But, boy, they're going to have some interesting franchise decisions if this season continues. They've always seemed like a a perennial playoff team, but if they're lottery-bound, do they start to sell off and and blow some of these things up? They've been hesitant to do so in the past, but – Boy, if there's any year to do it, not even in their – I mean, first of all, there's no fans, but they're not even in their own city. Uh, they could easily get away with a scratchier uh, and, and a lottery pick and, and drop some of these guys. And I think some of these guys, you know, for late first-rounders would be attractive on the open market. So this is something that we never would have anticipated in the preseason, right? We would have thought the Raptors would be buyers. But, boy, if they're sellers, that could kind of upset the apple cart uh, when it comes to the trade deadline. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Masai Ujiri is someone is, I think, knowing for having a longer view and kind of being more patient. But they have a few assets here. We'll see if maybe they can whip something together. Otherwise, you know, fingers crossed, folks. Let's hope uh, let's hope they figure this out. Um, let's take a look now at the Western Conference standings. The Phoenix Suns would be the one seed for the players. Playoffs were tomorrow, followed by the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Jazz, Pelicans, your Sacramento Kings, the Portland Trailblazers, meaning that the Mavericks, Nuggets, Spurs, and Rockets, and Grizzlies would all be out. Actually, the Grizzlies' um, worst record in the East right now, a two and five, you know, with Jaw out there. But as you start to look at this list of names, obviously, I think you start to look at Sacramento. Maybe they're going to fall out, especially if Fox is out for an extended period of time. But the rest of these names look pretty solid to me. You know, I don't expect Phoenix to be the one seed by the time we get to the playoffs, but um, really nice job there playing some great defense. I mean, what have you seen from Phoenix in the few games you've watched? Uh, so Chris Paul, obviously, right? And, and that's what's going to grab all the headlines. So I'll just gloss over that because everybody knows Chris Paul and the contributions he's brought to the team. Mikhail Bridges is the reason for to me that this team is where they are. Um, his defense, he's getting to be, I, I mean, a, a top 10 defender in the league. He's a versatile wing defender. He can lock down a two through four. He's hitting his threes, so he's not, you know, he's giving you two-way options. He's giving you that space on the floor um, for Booker to work because you have to take him as a threat seriously um, when he's sitting there behind the arc. And then the defensive intensity that he's able to bring, and he's able to get those stops, get them out in transition, get them looking good, Um you know, Mikhail Bridges to me is the kind of unsung hero or the unsung reason that this team is doing so well. And, you know, the great thing, if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, is there's no reason, there's nothing that I'm seeing that would indicate that this is, you know, an anomaly or it's not going to continue. The three-point shooting isn't that crazy. And as we know, like defense is something that you can bring every night, you know, regardless of whether or not you're tired. It's not like a jump shot that can kind of, you know, uh, get away from you as you lose your legs. You know, it's just intensity and willpower. And he seems to have that. So uh, I love that. And I love the interaction between Paul and Booker. They seem to have a nice... um, kind of chemistry with each other right off the bat for us when to let Booker take over and when to let Paul control the tempo. So I really like what I'm seeing from Phoenix. I wasn't necessarily all in on them um, in preseason, and they've proved me wrong. I mean, this is, I think, a definite top four team in the West. 
Yeah, I agree with what you said about Bridges. Um, and the one thing holding me back was, you know, as much as Kelly Oubre Jr. has had a terrible season shooting, he's definitely helped that Warriors defense and was a big part of the Suns defense last year. But Bridges being able to step into that role and, and really kind of taken over there as a wing defender has made a huge difference there. So they look pretty good to me. Um, the other team in here, um, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans are interesting. Um, doesn't look like they're playing tonight, so we're not going to talk about them when we get to the games. But um, – you know, they were just kind of on the outside looking in when we talked about the offseason. I think we had them maybe marked as one of those playing game kind of teams. They're at the sixth seed right now. What do you think? Can they hold on to that, or are we going to see them kind of fall back and maybe get closer to the eighth seed and more of what our expectations were preseason? Yeah, I think they can hold on to it. And something that surprised me when I'm doing running all my numbers yesterday, they're actually a top five rated defense uh, in defensive efficiency metric. I didn't I I'm not seeing that when I watch the games, you know, but that's why I mean, obviously, I can't watch every minute of every game. That's why it's important to have the model, you know, smash it through with your numbers and, and get a nice blend there. And that's how, how you come to your picks. But um, it really got me to open my eyes and I can't wait to check these games out. And I'm thinking that maybe I've been underrating them defensively. You know, uh, I, I don't know if you did, but I know I kind of poo pooed the Steven Adams pickup. I thought that they were moving away from Williamson and it'd be clunky on the floor. Um, and I thought his defense was eroding, but he's obviously done really well. Um, Bledsoe has been a very good defensive player. Lonzo's great. And now they're able, you know, with Ingram just being a passable defender, you know, now they're able to move as a top defense. So uh, you got to give credit to Van Gundy, uh, although I'm not sure how well his offensive system's working, particularly for Alonzo. Uh, the defensive upgrade has just been evident. So I think they can hold on to it uh, if they continue to defend well, because that puts less pressure on their offense to put 130 up every night in order to get a victory. Hey, the Steven Adams edition was one that I, I know we questioned and I was maybe a little more positive on it than you were simply because I think that he's a valuable presence in that locker room when you start to talk about having a veteran, if you will, that you want to bring in to kind of help the young guys show them what they need to do. And he's somebody that, yes, he's got a lot of things that he can't do on a basketball floor, but he's also the kind of guy that just doesn't do that stuff. So, you know, as long as you're coaching him and put him in the right spots, I don't think that he minds playing less minutes, which it looks like his minutes are a little down, even though he's starting. Um, just the kind of guy I think you want, like in terms of a locker room approach, you know, defensively, I think he's still solid, um, you know, brings a certain toughness to the team. So I, I think it was a positive addition there. And as you start to look at some of the guys he replaced, I mean, I, I think he's going to be much more solid next to Zion. And it keeps Zion from having to deal with a lot of the bigger bodies too, which mm -hmm. is something I think people may be underrated a little bit. But I like their team. I think they can actually hang on to maybe a six or a seven seed here and maybe avoid the play-in, but we'll see. Um, should be pretty interesting. I think all the other teams here we're going to talk about, um, let's see. Um, the Golden State Warriors, actually, that was the other team that you kind of wanted to talk about here. I know that they had a really rough start to the season, but Draymond Green seems to be back. Stefan Curry has, has kind of figured things out here a little bit. Um, do you think the Warriors are going to keep chugging along here? Yeah, I tell you what, I think the Warriors are a prime team of why I've been struggling um, with my model so far this season. They went from, in just two games, a victory over Portland and a victory of the Kings, they went from a negative 15 net rating to a negative 4 net rating. That's how much they were getting blown out, and that's how much they turned around and blew out their opponents. Um, Steph Curry went for 62 one night. I was on the wrong side of that game. I was In my head, I'm like, the Warriors are absolutely terrible. They can't compete. Portland's going to put the smack down. Um, and that was the most fun I've had losing a bet for a long time because it was so great to see uh, Steph back in his element um and he's just so fun when he's on fire like that Draymond Green has the most effect on a game without affecting a box score of any player uh in the game right now 
Um, he's out there. He's doing all types of things on defense. He's loud. He's vocal. He's getting guys to the right spot on offense, and you can just see the difference in the game. Um, so they're able to get, uh, you know, a couple big wins over, you know, Portland will end up being good, but they're not good right now. And uh, Sacramento, you know, is a, a below average team. Then they compete last night against the Clippers. They weren't able to, to pull it through. But um, I think, you know, game one, they would have got blown out by the team. Like the team that we saw, like on opening night, was it Milwaukee or Brooklyn? I can't remember, you know, the, I think it was Brooklyn first. But Brooklyn. that team would have lost by 30 to the Clippers last night, you know. And the fact that they were that close shows that they're going in the right direction. In the end, I still think they, they're going to be missing that one gun, that Clay Thompson, uh, to really make a run in the playoffs. But, um, you know, we had him as a playoff team in our previews. We moved him to a lottery team during our first week check-in. And now I think we're back to them being the, um, you know, lower-end lottery team, uh, lower-end playoff team. Would you agree? Yeah, I, you know, you talk a lot of times, you hear the phrase, you know, regression to the mean here, and you start to look at that. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing, like you said. Lose by 26 to the Nets, lose by 39 to the Bucks, and since then they're 4-2, uh, and two, you know, not, not, no two wins to be too proud of. You know, they swap um, blowouts basically with the Blazers, but starting to figure things out here. And I think they continue to kind of beat the teams that they should beat. Um, and maybe that's what this team is, right? Maybe they're just the team that gets blown out by good teams. Um, can kind of be competitive against some other teams again, kind of teams like Portland and then, you know, beats who they are, who they need to beat. I think they can hang on to this spot and, and have a chance to make the playoffs here. So um, we'll see. I mean, they're starting to get better. Obviously everyone's shooting is getting a little better. And I think that's, again, just kind of early season jitters and things as we get out of kind of the preseason first couple games of the season here. Um, I think the Warriors will be fine. So as long as they can stay healthy, things should be all right. Yeah, I talked about it at last pod, and it was so fun to see. I mean, Steph just has to channel his inner Harden. He he he's the offense, right? <laughs> they need to <laughs> they need to implement that Rockets offense. Like, hey, go take the ball, like isolate. You need to be taking the shots. And um, he's averaging 21 attempts per game right now. That would be a career high, and he has the second highest usage in the league. I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head, but only Luca Luca has a higher usage so far. So uh, I think that the shift towards the Steph centric offense has really been the key to their success. Let's jump through the games that we have tonight. Um, you know, hopefully we have a couple picks for you, but this is always a fun way to kind of talk about some of these teams. Starting off first, my Philadelphia 76ers are playing the Brooklyn Nets. And this is a back-to-back -back for the Sixers, and we haven't heard any news about Embiid. I assume he's going to play. I don't know why they would set him up to play last night against Washington and not want him tonight playing against Brooklyn. Uh, you know, Brooklyn doesn't necessarily have the bigs that to give a lot of teams trouble. I mean, DeAndre Jordan's not scoring a lot, neither is Jared Allen, so... Maybe they outfought themselves if it turns out and beats out, but I expect him to play here. Um, the number opened up Sixers minus three. It's now at one and a half. So the Nets have actually taken a little bit of money here. Um, trying to see what the total is. Um, you know, open 224 up to 226 and a half. So people are expecting maybe a little higher score than when we first opened here. You know, what is your handicap of this game? I think this is a nice spot for the Sixers. I mean, if everyone's playing, they've been playing nice basketball lately. I think that the struggle last night um, will hopefully have them starting a little sharper. Um, you know, again, kind of coming off a, a tough finish for them where unfortunately they blew a cover for a lot of people. Sorry about that, folks. So, you know, maybe they'll have a little bit of a bounce back and come out tonight, you know, a little more focused. But what do you think? What do you see here in this game? Yeah, I mean, talking about Philadelphia, um, boy, there was a guy on this podcast who was calling for the removal of their coach. I think since the, the day we met, I think it was like, uh, hi, my name's Alex. Brett Brown needs to be fired. I think that's how you introduced me to yourself. And, uh, I actually had it tattooed on my forehead for a while. <laughs> yeah, and then had to have I mean, it removed. 
Of course, you you were hitting that one off the tee, right? But no take has been better than that. No take has proved itself more right than that. Um, Doc Rivers, the offense looks so much crisper. They're using the players where they need to be. Harris is back in the pick and roll. Although the stats don't say it, it's weird. It, the stats say that he's taking the same amount. So I think it's go, kind of going back to the Ibaka when it's happening. So it's coming in off the, the screen more as a viewer. Um he seems to be in a more natural role scoring in the offense. I think that Simmons and Embiid have looked better together. So whatever Doc's doing um, to get them on the same page kind of uh, emotionally or feeling his teammates, it's working because this team has looked fantastic. And it all starts on the defensive end. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, it might have changed since I looked. But I think they're number one in defensive rating in the league. We talked in the offseason, if everything went right, that they had the potential to be the top defense in the league. And, and it's coming true. And you're seeing it in the results. Um, now, the Nets are a tough team. We were kind of low on them in the offseason. They came out and had two spectacular games. And we all walked back our takes and then penciled in the Nets for the for – the, uh, to be, make the finals. Um, and now a lot of the things that we talked about perhaps happening uh, with this team uh, seem to have come home to roost a bit. Um, they haven't been super impressive. Now they haven't been bad. Um, but, you know, losing Dinwiddie, even though like you would think, oh, well, Levert will just step up. He'll take up the usage. They don't really need that much offense. It seems to have hurt the team a lot um, chemistry-wise. Uh, and, and the rotation-wise, Joe Harris has been playing fantastic basketball. Um, Jared Allen's better than DeAndre Jordan. That seems to be a running theme of, of how long will DeAndre be able to keep uh, his starting job there. And I think Jared Allen started in the first game that Durant was out. And um, it's kind of silly that Durant's out. He already had COVID, but it's a it's a COVID protocol. But we don't want to get into that. Uh, regardless, I think this is a tough game to cap. And I really wanted to talk to you um, before I made a pick, you know, because – Okay, if, the, if Philly didn't play last night, I would be on Philly here. I think without Durant that they're the better team, especially the way they're playing right now. A little worried about the fatigue because the Wizards do like to get you into a track meet. And what they put up last night, like 280? I mean, they were getting up and down the floor. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what do you think? How much should I take into a t a account the fatigue? And assuming MB's plays, is, is are the Sixers the right side here? It is a really bad spot for them. It's a back to back. It's a three and four, um, a five and seven, if if you will, as well. So wow. I think that's probably why the number has moved down here a little bit. Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's fairly early in the season. I want to go back here and take a quick look and just see kind of how many minutes everybody played last night in that Wizards game. Um, you know, again, they put up, the leader. Yeah, they put up a bunch of points. Um, but the game itself, like you said, the Wizards like to run you around, but it's not a, a physical game. So mm -hmm. um, I want to see quickly here, you know, Embiid, ugh, 37 minutes for Embiid, 41 minutes for Harris. Um, yeah, that's that's not great. I mean, that's probably the, the number one reason you shouldn't be betting the Sixers here. Again, back to back, three and four, uh, a lot of minutes last night for Embiid and Harris. And that's probably explains what the line move is, right? Again, opens three. We're down to one and a half here. I mean, I, I guess if we get closer to game time and, and it, it's confirmed that a bead's playing and this continues to move and it gets down to a pick em, maybe I, I might think about a small play on the Sixers. And again, I'm very hesitant to bet them. But um, yeah, it's it's tough. As, you know, as I continue to, here to try to talk myself into betting on the Sixers, I don't think I can do it. Yeah, it's it's tough for me too because it goes between like the handicap and then the knowledge of how much the rest is. You know, it's uh, 
kind of complaining to you a bit when that, before we came on that I took a stab at the Bulls money line at plus 300 last night. And as they were kind of loafing up the floor the last four minutes and they just looked tired and not really fighting uh, to get the best shots in the half court, you know, I realized like, gosh, that fatigue, you know, you can't discount it too much. Um, first quarter model, is it up and running? And, and does it have a play on this game? Um, it's it's sort of in, in beta processing here. Okay. Um, I didn't have a chance to run it yet for today. I'll let you, you know, I'll tweet some stuff out. Actually, yeah, tweet it be, or at least, yeah, send it to me, but tweet it. Cause I'm sure that people want to see it too. Um, we're in, we're in beta be here. I mean, the game, just, just play the first quarter and then you just enjoy the rest. Uh, I was just thinking Philly might have really good first quarter numbers and it might be a way to dance around the fatigue. Um, yeah, um, because you know, I don't have that model. They're going to run the rotation. I don't think Kyrie's going to be in for the last three or four minutes. I think that's usually when they're going to rest him. Now will be like two minutes. They'll take him out two minutes to go in the first quarter, and then bring him in with a couple minutes to go in the second quarter. So I was thinking there might be a first quarter advantage for the Sixers there, but um, just check Noop's timeline for that one and uh, see if he. Yeah, if I'll start tweeting stuff out. Which again, we're still starting this. The um, season slowly and you know we talked a lot about some of the numbers so far i try to wait till it's 10 at least 10 games for each team i, th I think that gives you enough where you kind of wash out some of the noise um mm -hmm. you know again i don't have that model unfortunately on this particular computer but if i had to guess uh, when i run this stuff later the first quarter model will like memphis against cleveland there in the first quarter i'm almost positive that i'll have a play there possibly mm -hmm. even minnesota against portland minnesota has actually been kind of a solid first quarter team when that um carl anthony towns um and then maybe the Spurs are probably not. And again, I'll tweet those out, but it's early cool. this season. Yeah. So small stakes, if anything. Yeah. Looking forward to that though. That might be a, a fun derivative way to attack it. So uh, anything more about the Sixers and the Nets, or did you want to talk about that Memphis game that you thought might be a first good first quarter? Yeah. Um, no, I think the only other thing is if the total keeps ticking up here, I might bet, end up on an under um, you know, in a fatigue that. spot here. I mean, those, they might just bench those guys and I don't know how much scoring the Sixers will have with some of their key players kind of done, especially if it ends up getting to be a blowout. Um, now unders and blowouts are always kind of really tough. Um, so it's, it's something I've been thinking about. I mean, I make the, the total 224, you know, there's 226 and a half, 227. So lean towards the under there. If it gets up to 228, 229, I think long and hard about that, but All let's right. jump into Cleveland and Memphis. You know, we talked about Cleveland a little bit, just about everybody is hurt on Cleveland. Um, you know, basically their entire st Basically, all their guards at this point, but Colin Sexton um, looks like they're out tonight. Memphis, again, missing John Morant, but everybody else is pretty healthy here. So makes sense to me. Memphis opens minus three and a half. Looks like the line's moving out towards five here. So the market liking Memphis here, which, again, makes sense to me. At the total, 214, it opens. It's down to 209. Again, makes sense with some of the Cavs injuries here. Um, any angles for you on this game? It's an, another fatigue spot, right? Uh, this is Cavs four and six nights. <laughs> Uh, fourth game in yeah. six nights, and they've they're suffering injuries, right? So the guys are piling up the minutes, and it's really too bad because so we had written off Cleveland in the offseason. They started good, and we said, "Hey, wait a second this this is got they got a talented backcourt. Um, you know, they have a center that was an all star, you know, plenty of times, and, and it's worth the salt on the defensive end. And, and then Kevin Love, who, who can score the basketball, um, you know, from inside and outside. Although he's a little hesitant to go inside at this stage of his career, but still the threat remains. Um, and it's not that they've just fallen off and returned to expectations. They had a bunch of injuries, which is why, um, you know, they started on this little losing streak. So that's rough for the fans of Cleveland. I mean, you combine that with the Browns news, boy, it's got to be, it's got to suck to watch sports in Cleveland. But um, 
normally I would like Cleveland just mm-hmm. off the the matchups for the teams, but I think the fatigue's going to be too much. I think that you can count on Memphis always to come out with a good effort. Um, I think that they have an interesting balance on their team with no jaw. It's kind of weird to watch them all kind of, you know, search around for usage. Um, but they seem to have a pretty egalitarian approach. They seem to be playing hard, and um, even though the line's out to five, I like Memphis here. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I might even go in here and, and maybe sell a couple points, try to get Memphis out to like even seven or so. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of things to, to like about them tonight, especially given all the different injuries there. I mean, if Cleveland were healthy, I'd be looking at Cleveland here, but yeah. just not the case. So um, this early in the season, probably try to find a way to attack Memphis, maybe a team total over or something. Um, let me see. It looks like the team total for Memphis last time I checked was 107 and a half. Um, just about actually what I have them. Mm-hmm kind of in my numbers, but maybe look at that and kind of make some adjustments for the guys that are out for Cleveland, but um, like like Memphis there. Yeah. Next up, we got Minnesota-Portland. I do have a bet here. I've got the under in the total here. Opened at 233 oh, and a half. Oh, we're opposite. We're opposite then. I have the oh, over boy. here. So tell me there's why you a, have uh, There's another large man who uh, handicaps basketball loudly. But uh-huh. I think I was on the over here, which makes me feel better about my under. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, Minnesota, Portland, again, Portland minus 10 here. Uh, Minnesota without Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I talked about this a little bit on Brown Bag Bets. He is a player that um, when he's out, moves the spread, but actually has more of an impact on the total, not just for the points that he scores, but for the points that he allows. So anytime Carl Anthony Towns is out here, um, you know, I'm excited to look at some of the unders here, and they've been nice for Minnesota lately. So grabbed under 233 and a half. There is a little bit of move in the market here. It looks like it's down to 232 and a half. I would play the under down to about 232, maybe a smaller play at 231. But you like the over, huh? Yeah, so basically I'm thinking, you know, you're right, Towns is a, a, a bad defender, but guess what? They have a roster full of bad defenders. You can get bad defense at point guard with D'Angelo Russell. You can get bad defense at shooting guard with Anthony Edwards. We got bad defense all over the floor. You know, Culver's coming into his own, still not that good a defender yet. Ed Davis is just a minus player at all at all aspects of the game. So, um, you know, I think this is a great spot for Portland to get right as well. I think that we're going to see a lot from them. Um, boy, they had a great time. They beat the Warriors. They crowed. They ran all around the Bay Area, you know, basically throwing uh, dirt on Steph's grave. And then they had the 62-point game. And so they've been waiting uh, to get right here. Um, I, I like Portland uh, to, to score a lot of points. And then guess what? This is another team with bad defense. And it was funny. I can't remember which pod I was listening to, but they said it doesn't help your team if you acquire a bunch of good defenders to shore up the defense and then you don't play them. So, you know, uh, we talk about these Cantor, Mello, um, Gary Trent Jr., um, McCollum Lillard lineups. I mean, those are just ripe for scoring. Um, so I, I, I still like the over here. So this will be kind of fun. You know, we can ha- have a little bragging rights in the chat and stuff uh, being on opposite sides of the game here. All right. Well, that'll be good for us. I mean, do you have any feelings on the side here? I'm kind of tempted to maybe take Minnesota plus 10. Um, but I think this is, again, another team that's facing a tough schedule spot. Um, let me just see here. Yeah, they played. Okay, so they have had a night off, but this is, it looks like they've played every other night. Okay, since, okay, so not a bad schedule spot actually for Minnesota, but thought about maybe the plus 10 there. Do you have any thoughts on the side? My numbers say it should be 12, but I don't trust my numbers at all because of the aberrations they've had. So I'm staying away from the side. Um, so it's weird. My numbers would say to lay it, but my instinct would say to take the points there. 
Um, so I'm, I'm kind of torn. I'll, I'll stay away there. Um, you know, Minnesota played Denver really tough for three quarters or three and a half quarters before they got the cover. They were looking like they were going to be one of those big outright um, 10-point dog winners straight up. But, um, yeah, that's uh, – that's that's a tough one. I, I think I think at the end I would I would throw the model out. I don't trust it. It hasn't had the best results this year, and I'd take the points. Makes sense. We'll jump into Dallas and Denver, the two disappointing D teams for the year. Um, <laughs> Dallas just man, I bet them three times that they've just put up stinkers on all three of those games. Yeah. Um, and, and besides that, you just start to look at some of the performances. It's been a rough season for them. Denver has looked out of rhythm, out of sorts, a little slow, a little clunky. Again, you know, we've got some more games now, um, and they're starting to play themselves a little more into shape, if you will. Again, less of a preseason atmosphere. But as you start to look at the lines here, Denver opens minus two and a half, still pretty much two and a half, taking a little money. Some threes are starting to pop. The total is at 226, and it's actually coming down here. I mean, two teams that last year would have been um, stone cold over bets. Um, and you see the total starting to tick down here. Um, what do you think think of this? I mean, it's, what do you think of that total move? Actually, let's start there. I mean, does that make sense to you? Do you can you can you think of a reason why this would start to tick down? Especially, I've heard that Michael Porter Jr. might even be back tonight. Yeah, I don't understand why it's ticking down either. Um, I thought it was I thought it was lined correctly. I thought that the money would come in on the over, just it being a public game. It's on you know primetime TNT. I know that it's appointment viewing for myself tonight. Like I'm looking forward to it. I've kind of had it circled all week. It's just a fun game um, with two teams that need to get right, and one of them's going to. One of them's going to be walking out of the arena right feeling a lot better about their season, and one of them's really um, going to be in for some media scrutiny and, and doing some soul searching within their own locker room. So I think it's a big game for both teams, um, you know. And I'm really surprised the total is going down, especially with Porter Jr. being back. You know, he's kind of got that Towns effect that you talked about earlier. He scores and he gives up points, right? Um, so re re really surprised there that the total is going down. Um, I kind of lean over, but not enough to play it. Did you have a look on the side? Now, taking a look at it, I, I actually kind of lean Dallas here. Um, maybe Porter Jr. is back, but that's probably what's built into some of this this line a little bit. But I Again, I've always liked Dallas. The little bit of numbers that I have run so far, it's still kind of like Dallas here. Um, it's it's mostly I think this, the, the, my numbers don't like Denver, frankly. I mean, Dallas has been a slight positive. Denver's been a negative here. So you know, what's um, crazy though is that Dallas net gain is number is so skewed from that fifty point victory. That's what I mean. You've got all that kind of stuff working in there. So. Just it, to me, it seems like a solid spot to pass. I mean, if the total keeps coming down here, I might take a look at the over. But, you know, again, I've got it probably just right about where it is right now, maybe a point or two, maybe a point higher than, than where it seems to be right now. But look like solid numbers to me. And, and you know, a game that I'm going to try to watch, hopefully, if I'm uh, still up at that time, frankly, 10, 10 p.m. That's tough for me, folks. You know, bedtime's <laughs> right around 11, so I start winding down. All right. So, you know, get that, that good right. cycle. Well, welcome to the spread old man life, you know. Uh, up up at the crack of dawn. No, but we'll so see. I, I mean, should yeah. be a fun game, and I'm, I'm curious to see kind of where these two teams stand. So, um, I okay, like hopefully Denver they just kind here. of play. Hopefully that this gets them back into shape, and this is the yeah. moment where they have this competitive game, and they, both teams start playing good basketball. So, no, hopefully it's it the jumping be. off point. Yeah, and you. So, uh, I have my main issue with backing Dallas is just a Lucas centric offense. It almost feels like the Warriors, where it's like they need him to go ballistic every night to have a chance. But recently, 
Um, they've had some positive news. Tim Hardaway Jr. had a fantastic game the other night. They need that from him. He's never going to be a plus defender, so he needs to be a scorer, and not only a scorer, he needs to create. He needs to be – Luka needs to be able to give him the ball, get to a shooter's position, and not have to create the offense on, on every single play. Um, so I think that's a big uptick for them. Um, and, and I'm so surprised. Colley Stein, when he left, you know, I thought, you know, he's not – he's a terrible defender, but I thought he was really going to fit in well on that offense. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm not giving up on it yet. Uh, I think that they will find a way to work it in. I think Luke is a high IQ guy, and Carlisle's, you know, a coach that we both have a lot of respect for. So I see that working out. Um, but I just feel like this is a good game for Denver. So I like Denver here, you know. Um, but my main concern is how does how does Denver stop Luca? It just doesn't seem like they have a great player. Um, to, to put on him. I don't necessarily... I mean, Jamal Murray Barton. can probably do as nice of a job as anybody. Will Barton is... I guess he'll probably just get run over, frankly. He's, he has yeah. some did, nights. He bothers some guys. I like what you're saying, though, about Dallas. I mean, you start to look at it. Luka's averaging 25.8 a night. Tim Hardaway Jr., only 17. That probably needs to be, you know, 19, closer to 20, frankly, if they're going to be good. And then Jason Richardson's at 13.7. Jalen Brunson's at 11.7. And no one else is above 10. Um, I've been really disappointed in Dwight Powell. You know, maybe he's trying to play himself back into some shape after that injury, but um, nothing close to what they were doing in the season before he went down. Is he still out? Um, Let me see. Cleaver, I think, was out. Um, Because he's he's kind of like an underrated. uh, You know what? No, it looks like he's playing tonight. He doesn't have any letters next to his name on ESPN. Okay. Uh Okay. Well, that's that's good if for uh, if for your leaning the Dallas side. I like Denver, but that's that's not the best news. I think Cleaver does a lot of things that don't show up in the box score that help a team win. Uh, even even providing some space on the floor for Luca because I think you do have to respect his outside jumper, even if the shooting percentage doesn't necessarily reflect that. So, um, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a fun game. And like I said, I think it's whoever wins this game, I think might be going on a little run, and I might be looking to back, you know, for the next week because I think that this is the type of game that the winner is gonna feel some momentum from. I think this is a game where uh, who who said two points isn't always two points? Was that LeBron? One win isn't always one win here. I think this could be worth a little more for for the winner. So I think this is a fantastic game, and TNT's got a great one on their schedule tonight. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. All right, let's keep going. I believe this is, yep, the last game we've got tonight. The San Antonio Spurs are playing the Lakers. It feels like the third time they played each other this year. Am I nuts, or are they just like playing each other every other night? I, yeah, I don't know. It's because I keep mixing them up with the Clippers. I thought it was it one of those is. like back to back. No, this is this is the third time that they played the Spurs this year. I'm not all right. Good. Wow. Good for and me. So I'm not totally nuts. So far, I remember I backed the Spurs one time when they were plus five and they didn't cover. Did they cover the other one? Let's see. Um, yeah, it looks like so. The Spurs lost by six and then lost by fourteen. So maybe they covered that January first game. Um, six is probably right around where no, that, that line was. That was the game I had minus. All right, plus five. Okay, yeah, so sure. didn't cover there, didn't cover the yeah. second game. Um, looking at tonight, open seven and a half, and of course the Spurs took money like they have the last two games. It's now down to five and a half. Again, that same range we've seen the last couple games close. Um, it's been a nice handicapping thing. We know our buddy Lockie, who you can find it, uh, you better, you bet, a great show to watch if you don't already at the middle of the day. But what he likes to do, a lot of handicapping based on what kind of the market closes on these teams and compare. And, um, you know, you can really see it this year in some of these games where, again, the, this is the third time the Spurs have played the Lakers in 
you know, a week or two. So, you know, it makes sense. I mean, the line should probably close just about where it is unless there's been some sort of injury or a huge change, but there hasn't. So line movement makes sense to me. You know, congratulations, anybody to grab some of that opener. Uh, the total opened 225 down to 222 and a half. That move makes sense to me. Um, I have it actually just right around 223 myself. So that seems like a solid number. Any angles for you in this game? I think five and a half is too short. I mean, they've won by more than that on each game, and they're at home tonight. When I had the five, it was in San Antonio. I'm surprised that they're taking money. I'm, like, looking through the injury reports right now, and I just got the LeBron James ankle. Davis and LeBron are questionable. Questionable. So, I mean. There hasn't been any updates there, but if both of them are in. Do you think they're going to be out? Because I think I, I have this game at, like, seven or eight. So this is the first night of a back-to-back, and tomorrow night will be their third game in four nights. Um, They're at home for San Antonio. They're home for Chicago. So I imagine you would want them both playing tonight and maybe taking the game off against Chicago, or maybe you split them up. Maybe you get one tonight, one tomorrow. Um, So we'll see. I mean, that's something you got to you got to keep your eye on. But if you hear both of those guys are playing, um, that line move makes me think that someone knows that one of them is not going to play. I don't Again, I think it's it closes at five in San Antonio, and it's five and a half in Los Angeles. I know home point home court's only worth one point this year, but still, it's not even like a point. And as you can see, it's I mean it's half a point. Again, it, you look at the, where it closed the last couple times; it closed right around five or six. So yeah. I think it's just the number gravitating towards that, and then we'll see if either one of those guys are in or out. But both are questionable. Um, if it, again, I imagine them being questionable is probably again what drove some of that buy. Not only that the opener was off market, but the opener was off market with the possibility that one of those two guys, um, you know, um, one of these two guys could be out. Yeah, I have uh, I have that three point edge to the Lakers right now. So um, if this number goes off and and they're both going on and they're both playing, um, I'll, I'll be on Los Angeles there. I think that's a couple points too short. As much as we love San Antonio, we can go ahead and give a, a going dissertation of, of their young players and how Keldon Johnson is coming into his own. And, you know, Pop always gets his team playing the best right way and maximize. I mean, it's just, I mean, we could do Spurs on repeat and just, you know, take different names in and out for the last five years, right? But um, I, I still think the talent disparity is going to be too much here. Um, I, I really hope that that line goes off there and I'm able to get it with – Davis and James confirmed playing five and a half. I mean, I might even make that a two unit play. So uh, what do you think? You're yeah. on the other side or. If the, both of those guys are confirmed, I could definitely see playing five, even five and a half. I don't know if I would make it a big play necessarily, but I, I understand what, what you're coming at. And I think that's probably the right side um, if I had to pick one, but again, you got to wait to make sure that they're both playing. Yeah. And that's the deal with Lakers games, right? Like um, there's n- no overnights, no CLV, Throw those ideas that, that we love and we preach and we talk about so much. You got to throw them out the windows when it comes to Los Angeles Lakers. Don't bet overnights on the Lakers. And, you know, I mean, don't bet overnights on the Clippers. Just don't bet overnights on Los Angeles. I mean, I don't know what it is about the sunshine and the palm trees, but, you know, everybody's questionable from game one to game 72. So before we wrap it up here, I was just looking at some futures prices here. The Sixers are plus 200 to win the Atlantic division. Why? Because Brooklyn is so much love. They're, they've got a one and a half game lead over Boston, a three game lead over Brooklyn, who they play tonight. So if they beat Brooklyn tonight, they're going to have a four game lead over Brooklyn. 
with um, a head-to-head tiebreaker advantage. And again, they're a game and a half ahead on the Celtics. The Nets are plus 110 to win, win the division here. We already know that um, Kevin Durant's going to be out for a little while here. Um, actually, let me see real quick if we Dutch. So the Celtics are – the Sixers are 2-1. to one. take Philly. Well, the Celtics – I mean, do you, think, do you think the Celtics could, could do something here? I'm just going to try to yeah, see if man. I can figure that out real quick. They're 3-1. to one. Um or do you think it just you just take Philly and just ride? I think you take. I mean, when's Kemba coming back? I mean, this I that's a good point. I, I like I do like the Celtics. I, I'm going to be betting on them a lot this year. Um, but boy, I think that Philly. <laughs> you know, if you ever needed an instructive case on why coaching matters, um, watch some tape from last year and watch some tape from this year with pretty much the same squad. Because don't tell me Seth Curry's the difference. Right, I think that was a smart trade for both teams, and he's an upgrade. But he's not the difference between four and four and seven and one or whatever their start was last year to this year. You know, it's Doc Rivers, and um, I have faith in him to keep him going to keep it going all year. I think that he's loving this new situation too. Um, so. That's just a little too expensive, but I think you're right. There's some value there at that plus two hundred. So I'm going to line shop that one a little bit, but I'm going to put that on my my list of things to follow up on. Yeah. Hey. Um, so if they win tonight, do you think that moves? Or is one game not really? It would have to. It would have to. to Like plus one seventy five. Again, I don't. I don't know why they aren't plus one ten and the Nets are plus one ten. I don't know why they're not favored at this point. I mean, I know it's early in the season. The schedule's going to catch up with them. My guess would be Brooklyn liability. They're sitting there with like a million and a half on the Nets and two hundred thousand on Philly, and they're like, we could take a little more Philly money here. It's not really going to hurt us either way. So that would be my only guess because that doesn't seem to be commensurate with what we've seen on the floor so far, uh, what our numbers are telling us, and what our eyes are telling us with the way that Doc Rivers has fixed this team. And I'm starting to look through here at some other numbers. The rest kind of makes sense to me. The Nuggets and Jazz are both plus 130 to win their division. Miami's a big favorite. Milwaukee's a big favorite. Dallas is still a big favorite to win the division, but I guess that makes sense. They should catch up to the Pelicans eventually. Um, and Lakers, Clippers, that's all kind of split. I mean, the Lakers are still favorites to win the championship at plus 230. That number really hasn't moved at all. Um, I think it's pretty close to about what we it haven't was seen the anything that started. Moved it, right? I mean, if there's any team that like basically went exactly how our preseason predictions went, it's the Los Angeles Lakers, right? Yeah. I mean, you could run back what we said before the season started, and it would be perfectly accurate today. I mean, they, you know, we had high expectations, and they're meeting them. Yeah, that makes sense. Looking at some other championship winners, like, I'll run through the list. Stop me if you see any number that, that sticks out to you, good or bad. Nets are five to one. Clippers are five fifty. A five and a half to one. Bucks are five and a half to one. Um, Sixers are fourteen to one. The Heat are sixteen to one. Celtics twenty to one. Nuggets twenty to one. Mavericks twenty two. Raptors twenty five. And I don't know. Those all feel just about right to me. Any value to, to you in those numbers? No. I mean, as much as I'm, I've been hyping up Philly, I don't know. That was the one that stood out to me the most. Um, yeah. I mean, the Sixers, I, again, 14 to 1. I would almost rather take them to win the conference at 6 to 1. What do you think? Yeah, I like that a lot more. My main reason, concern about the Sixers, and although you'd probably be able to arbit with such a nice number, is, you know, if Los Angeles does continue this, I like <laughs> adding Gasol there. <laughs> It's huge just for that Sixers matchup. You know, he's always tr- troubled Embiid, and, and I think one of the reasons is he's one of the few guys in the league that's actually as big as Embiid, and I think it's just weird for him to actually play against someone who's as big and as strong as him, and I think it kind of throws him off a bit. So even though Gasol might be not having contributions all year, it might be one of those, like, 
in this and people might not get this, but Barry Zito references where he doesn't do anything the whole season, but then he helps you win the championship in the uh, in the final series of the season. So um, that's the only reason I went like Philly there. I like I like the conference number a lot better. Yeah, so we'll take Sixers to win the division plus two hundred. Look around, see if you can find a better number than that. I'm looking at a Canby book right now, so you know DraftKings or Bet Rivers or Unibet somewhere like that. Um, we'll have a, have that number. So enjoy that. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We appreciate the few comments that we did have there. I'll try to bug spread to bring some of those up more often next time or okay, hopefully cool. get something like that out. Yeah. But please give us a like, um, a rating, a review, a subscription, all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter at NetworthPod. Um, and let us know if you have any questions. If there's any other things you want to hear about as we continue to do kind of these weekly check-in shows. Thanks for watching. Good luck and all.